It's Aspen Ideas to Go from the Aspen Institute. I'm Trisha Johnson. Today, we have another special episode to share with you. This is the second one produced by our partners at Colorado Public Radio's Audio Innovation Studio. If you missed the first one, be sure to check it out. Look for the bonus episode we dropped last week about robots as caregivers. You'll notice these bonus episodes are a big departure from our usual format. For starters, they're much shorter than the traditional full-length talks we feature every week. There's also scene setting and music woven throughout. We're eager to hear what you think, so we've set up a survey. After you listen, please take a couple of minutes to give us your feedback. The survey link is in the show notes. Here's Emily Williams with Colorado Public Radio's Audio Innovation Studio, guiding us through a presentation about rebuilding trust after a pandemic that puts science under scrutiny. The pandemic has been a complicated time for science. We've seen big scientific successes, like the fastest new vaccine development in history. But even while science was saving lives, more people were losing faith in it. A lot of Americans protested mask mandates. Are you going to allow the government to tell you you have to wear a mask? Refused vaccines. Nearly every patient with COVID symptoms they're taking to the hospital is unvaccinated. And lost trust in our biggest scientific institutions. A big question facing the CDC, though, is how to regain your trust following years of public debate over their guidance. Dr. Ashish Jha has thought a lot about this problem. He's in charge of the White House's response to COVID-19. He says scientists have missed something big during this pandemic. I think we underappreciated the level of mistrust that exists, and we also underestimated the amount of misinformation and disinformation that's out there. I sort of think of it as we kind of got the biological science right, but we didn't get the social science right. Ja spoke at the Aspen Ideas Festival in June. He says scientists should be thinking more about why they didn't get the social science right. And he has some thoughts on how scientists can be better communicators. Improving the way scientists talk about science starts at the most fundamental definition of what science is. So part of the conversation we need to have is how do we understand science? Science has become this sense of like, this is truth, it's a destination. Science is a journey, right? Science is a process. Science is how we figure out how the world works. People often think that science gives us an answer. Science usually gives us a way to think about the problem. And trusting the science is about trusting the process by which you come up with an answer. So you get 100 scientists, you're gonna get 150 different opinions. That's totally fine. The thing that makes it makes it coherent and makes it workable is that they're all taking a similar approach to solving or figuring out a problem. And that, I think, has not been clearly communicated to people. The people Ja was speaking to at Aspen Ideas were asked if they believe in science. And just about everyone raised their hand. Those people are still the norm. But the portion of Americans who don't believe in science has grown since COVID to nearly one in four people, according to a recent Pew poll. And in some ways, seeing trust in science go down during a global pandemic is puzzling. 
So the reason why I think most people in this room trust science generally is because it is the most powerful tool we have for solving complex human problems. It's not the only tool we have, but it is the most powerful. You're faced with a global pandemic, how do you counter a global pandemic? You build vaccines, you build therapeutics. How do you do those things? That's what the scientific process gives you. So it's fundamental for solving human problems. But then the question is, why are one in four people not so convinced that it's so good for them? That is puzzling. And my kind of mental model, but I'd be curious what other people think, is that we in the scientific community have not done a good enough job of explaining to people how science benefits them in their day-to-day -day life. That we have not done a good enough job connecting the dots between what science produces and the problems, the real life problems that people face. You know, in the past, if you did a, uh, an experiment, you wrote up your paper, you submitted it to a journal and it would be published six months later. And in this pandemic, everything went to preprints. And so the turnaround time of people building on everybody else's work just accelerated multiple fold. And that was a major reason why we got vaccines and treatments. And all of that was scientists trusting each other. It's interesting to me that at the moment where there was more trust among scientists than we've ever seen before, we struggled to connect the benefits of all that scientific progress to their lives. And that is a problem. And I think we need to go back and do more thinking about why that happened. Ja has tried to figure out what we could have done better. He says these trust issues go further back than the start of the pandemic. Faith in big institutions was already declining before COVID. There are a lot of Americans who feel abandoned by our institutions. And I think those individuals are much more susceptible to misinformation, to politicization of basic public health tools. And then what happened in this pandemic is I think a lot of it got accelerated and a lot of it got exploited to make it much worse. Whether they be big companies, whether you see universities or government or anybody else, and you feel like they're not in it for your interest, that you don't see the benefit in your life to the challenges you have, you are far less likely to trust those institutions. And then I think it is incumbent on people in those institutions, in my last job at university, in my current job in government, to help people understand how these institutions are serving a public good. And if you can do that, then I think people are far less susceptible to the misinformation about those institutions that follow. You know, if someone shared information, misinformation to me about my mom, I'm not gonna buy it. But if it's someone you don't trust, someone you don't know, and then you hear misinformation, you're much more susceptible to that. So, I think building trust in institutions is a huge part of combating misinformation. Another part of combating misinformation comes back to how scientists are communicating. Ja says the pandemic showed him how important it is for scientists to get comfortable talking about uncertainty. And Ja says there's a reason why scientists need to give people some kind of answer, even if that answer is, I don't know yet. Here's the, the lesson, the learning from the pandemic, is misinformation thrives in vacuums. So something happens, and people want to try to understand what just happened. We've got a new variant. Omicron just popped up. What does this mean? And there is a period of time where scientists want to say, give us three months, we're going to sort all this out, and we'll come back to you. 
Well, during those three months, there are plenty of people who are gonna fill that information void. And I actually think, as public health scientists, it's irresponsible to leave information voids empty. And so what I have tried to do, and what I have encouraged my colleagues to do, is go out there, be very honest about what you know and don't know. So don't overstate what you know. Explain what you don't know. But give people your first impression. So I remember the morning after Omicron was identified in South Africa, I was on TV and people were like, is this a problem? And the answer was, it was an honest answer, we don't know. However, here's what worries me about it. And here's how we're gonna find out. And so you give people a roadmap, because it's that uncertainty that really bothers people. You give them your first draft, you give them your judgment, and you explain that your first draft may need editing over time. And I don't know, I, I think most people are pretty receptive to that. Scientists hate that stuff. They're like, I wanna get the right answer before I go talk about it. But the pandemic moves way too fast for that. Scientists could do a better job of sharing their first drafts and explaining how science helps us in our daily lives. But there's also something you can do. Because if you know how scientists should be communicating, we can use that knowledge to find and share trusted scientific sources. Ja says to look for the experts who are talking about science as a process. If you're trying to assess is somebody really an expert, you want to see them say things like, I don't know. You want them not only to change their mind, but explain why they changed their mind. That's actually, I think, how you build credibility. And for people who are trying to figure out, is this person a real expert, you actually want people to change their views as facts are changing. If you see somebody who's been saying exactly the same thing for the last two years, I'd be pretty suspicious of that. Dr. Ashish Shah spoke at the Aspen Ideas Festival in June. Shah continues to serve as the COVID-19 response coordinator for the White House. You can hear Shah's full Aspen Ideas session, featuring questions from journalist Perry Peltz and members of the audience, at aspenideas.org. That was Emily Williams with Colorado Public Radio. You can find more ideas worth hearing in the Colorado Matters podcast from CPR. We'd love to know what you think about this episode. Please take a minute to fill out the quick survey linked in the show notes. And stay tuned for one more special episode coming next week. Make sure to subscribe to Aspen Ideas to Go wherever you're listening. Follow Aspen Ideas year-round on social media at Aspen Ideas. Today's show was programmed by the Aspen Ideas Festival team and produced by the Colorado Public Radio Audio Innovation Studio with help from Natalie Jones. A special thank you to Brad Turner for his vision and guidance in creating this special series. Our theme music is by Wonderly. I'm Trisha Johnson. Thanks for listening. Thank you.